It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, happy Monday, Buckeye Nation, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. We've got a good show planned for you this afternoon as we tell you what we learned from Ohio State's Week 6 victory over the Spartans from Michigan State up in East Lansing. First road test of the year certainly went well. C.J. Stroud certainly continues to look like the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. But what do we learn about Ohio State's depth, and what do we learn about their defense? Those are two things we're definitely going to hit on. Plus, I think we're going to talk a little backup quarterback action and try to try to get our heads around uh, that part of the team because I think that's something we really should start paying attention to, um, especially when you think about what potentially could trip up a team that looks unstoppable. Uh, how how could backup quarterback play? find its way into that conversation all that and more coming up next this is buckeye breakdown what we learned from michigan state we've got the whole crew together as we cover ohio state with our instant analysis from ohio state there's something that doesn't feel right unbelievable effort from him today is ej liddell gonna crack the first team all big ten i think he can be the guy i'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy he seems to have the durability he certainly has the toughness is the question on a lot of people's minds here Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, hey, everybody, and thanks for joining us on Buckeye Breakdown on this gorgeous Monday afternoon across the great Buckeye State. I'm Brendan Gulick, along with Craig Heisen. We are talking about an Ohio State 49-20 win over the Michigan State Spartans as the Buckeyes head into their off week, uh, which is conveniently right in the middle of the schedule. And, And we'll do maybe a couple more podcasts this week talking about the first half as a whole, and what we've learned about this team so far this year. Today, we're going to focus a bit more on Michigan State. Craig, what's up? What's going on, man? Woke up a little uh, groggly this morning, so sorry for the voice in advance. Uh, no big deal. No big deal. You actually sound pretty normal. Um, <laughs> hey, look, this uh, this was another great week, and I think for a lot of people, they were trying to figure out how is Ohio State going to handle its first road test of the season. Not that people were necessarily overly concerned about losing the game, but Michigan State's a, a proud program. They've got a lot of good players. They just haven't really played very well these last few weeks. You know, we heard Ryan Day talk about, hey, this team was ranked top 10 in the country last year, and they've got a whole bunch of guys that are still around from that team. So we're treating this like we're preparing for a top 10 matchup. Now, let's not confuse that with anybody thinking, oh, you know, Ohio State's opponent last week should be in the top 10 or the top 25 for that matter. Um, but I, I thought Ohio State, you know, first and foremost, they came out focused. Um, I didn't, I didn't even really mind the mistake on the pick six. Sometimes things like that happen. I was far more impressed with the fact that they flushed it quickly and and you know put the Spartans away pretty early in the game. That was one of my big takeaways too, Brennan. That was another dominant performance on Saturday, um, especially with given how windy it was. Um, for Stroud to throw it like that and that wind was impressive. I feel like it's always windy in East Lansing when they play up there. Um, but like you said, they they flushed that pick six quick, just a little miscommunication. He thought um, receiver was going to curl and, and he just took off and uh, that's, that's going to happen. They didn't skip a beat on the next drive, three plays, 75 yards, the, the bomb to Omeka. So 
it's like it didn't even matter, um, which was impressive. You know, most teams, I think the quarterback would get a little flustered and, oh, crap, I just threw a pick six and we got a tight game. Maybe the crowd's getting into it a little bit on the road and it literally did not matter at all. They just, crowd just, it's, it's so cool to watch how cool, calm, and collective he is when it looks like he could panic. He never does. You know, you, you mentioned the crowd and you're right. You know, when you throw a pick six early <laughs> on and there's that instant, you know, moment where you believe like, hey, we're right there with one of the top teams in the country. Um, and it, it was loud at that point when CJ threw that pick six, you know, Spartan Stadium certainly had some juice in it. Um, but in being complimentary, I think I also deserve a, a shot to be critical. That crowd left the stadium so fast when that game got out of hand. I mean, early third quarter, there was nobody there. And I didn't watch the entire game back. I just kind of like sped through it. So I didn't catch maybe all the comments, but I did hear that uh, Chris and Kirk were kind of referencing the fact like, hey, this place is, you know, kind of clearing out a little bit. I, I posted a picture on our social media and I'm sure stuff has circulated elsewhere the student section, which started with what felt like maybe, I don't know, seven or 8,000 people um, was gone, like mm-hmm. down to a hundred people over the course of several sections of seats. Um, it became pretty clear that, you know, okay, we showed up, we did what we could, and now we're going to go do something else because yep. this game's no longer entertaining for us. Yep. We're going to get on with our weekend, and I don't know if uh, Michigan State's athletic department, is that what they envisioned when they gave Mel Tucker that $95 million contract that the stands would be yeah. empty going into the fourth against the, the best team in the Big Ten? But, hey, he was 16-14 and 14 before they gave him that contract, and he's 4-4 four and four cents. No, look, it's, it's, it's not great. It's, uh, it's pretty frustrating for Spartan fans right now. And I think there may be a better team than a 2-4 and four record would indicate but they have certainly drawn the teams early on in their schedule that can really throw the ball well. And that's exposed a, a, a part of their defense, which by the way, was shorthanded again this past week. Um, it exposed their defense in a way that is, is really raising some eyebrows. I think the reality is Ohio state's depth is, is showing it's almost unfair. I mean, you think about what it takes to build a championship team. And I'm not trying to crown the Buckeyes now. You've, you've Congratulations, they're bowl eligible. They've won six games, right? <laughs> so they've got at least six games left in the regular season. And if Armageddon happened, they'd have one game after that. But we're, we're, we're basically halfway through the year. And as I look at Alabama, who really struggled without their starting quarterback, as I look at Georgia, who is a very good team, but I don't look at Georgia with the same big eyes that I looked at last year when watching that defense. And certainly the way they played against Kent State had me wondering how locked in they were. And frankly, they should have lost at Missouri and got lucky. Um, There is not a single team in college football that strikes unbelievable fear in an opponent the way Ohio State does. They've got a top, literally the number one ranked offense in the country. They're the number one scoring team in the country. And they are a top 15 defense in several statistical categories. They're top 10 in overall defense. So 
I, I guess I just look at what Ohio State has, and it's not just a group of good starting players. It has truly been when one guy goes down, the next guy comes in, and there's not a drop-off. And that is mentally just totally debilitating for anybody that they play. And you mentioned the the big eyeballs, and I think – and I had those same that same feeling watching Georgia last year. Um, that team this year is Ohio State. I think people across the country are watching Ohio State with the big eyeballs this year. Like, holy cow, how are we gonna how are we gonna slow that team down? Let alone how are we gonna score on that team because their defense is fixed. So uh, there's really no weakness at all right now that we've really seen. I mean, we've kind of harped on the corners a little bit in the secondary. And if I had to pick a weakness, that's still what I would still what I would uh, go with. But passing defense nationally, they're number eight. So it's like we're getting really nitpicky when we look at that um, because they, like you said, they're top 10 offense, top 10 defense. The only other team with that is Alabama. Um, they've looked awfully vulnerable at points this year. Um, Ohio State is one of only two teams that have won each of their games by double digits. So the other OSU is the other one in Oklahoma State. So the, the Buckeyes are not I, – I have not seen a team – and. We'll get to see a lot of good games this next Saturday, which I'm sure we'll hit on a couple of those later in the week with not as much to talk about with the bye week. But um, I haven't seen a team yet that I think can even remotely slow them down at all. Um, I mean, going into this game, Ohio State was top 15 in the country in points allowed, total yards, passing yards, and third downs, and maybe a couple of other stats, but those are the ones I had handy. Um you know, last year they had averaged allowing 23 points per game. Going into this past weekend, they were averaging allowing fewer than 15 a game. Their their total yards allowed uh, had shrunk by 113. That's crazy. Uh, passing yards, they were almost 100 fewer passing yards per game down. Uh, and teams are only converting against them on third downs about 23% of the time. So the Buckeyes are getting off the field, and, and look, there are going to be some pl- some chunk plays you get beat. No team is perfect. The, the game is built around offense. Um, but the defense doesn't need to be perfect. If they can be a top 25 defense, let alone a top 15 defense, if they stay healthy, they're going to win the national championship. I mean, I nothing is guaranteed, guys, but – this team looks completely unstoppable right now. Completely unstoppable. We're going to watch, I think, a, a really good test in two weeks. And it was just announced this afternoon. The Iowa game is going to be a big noon kickoff at the shoe. Um, and that, you know, the, the Buckeyes have two weeks to prepare for an Iowa defense that is very good. Somehow, Iowa went into last week's game allowing on average 10 points per game. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. They gave up nine and lost because they are so inept offensively. I, I cannot, I've, I've never seen a team that can play at an elite level on one side of the ball and look totally dysfunctional on the other side of the ball. And I actually saw a tweet I, I think is worth sharing. I thought this was hilarious this week. So this is obviously poking a little bit of fun at the Hawkeyes. But uh, in the Iowa-Illinois game, there was a situation where Iowa had the ball and they punted from their own 16-yard line, okay? Illinois muffed the punt. 
and Iowa recovered at the 35. Iowa's offense went three and out with negative six yards, and they punted. (laughs) They forced a fumble and recovered at the five-yard line, and then they went four offensive plays for a total of negative four yards and kicked a field goal. So the joke here was that it was a 15-play, negative 10-yard, 76-punt-yard field goal drive for Iowa. (laughs) It was like, that's kind of how bad they are. Their defense is really, really good. I want to see what Ohio's – the reason I bring it up, I want to see what Ohio State looks like against Iowa's defense because right now the Hawkeyes have a defense that looks pretty formidable. I don't know that they are going to be able to slow down all of the Buckeyes' weapons, but I think Iowa's defense is going to give us a pretty good test of, okay, if the Buckeyes are going to make this thing happen this year and this is one of the elite groups in the country – Let's see what they got. All I have to say to that, Brennan, is it must be nice that when your dad's the head coach. Because no <laughs> anybody else would be fired by now. So, Brian Ferentz, uh, consider yourself lucky that your your dad's in charge. Um, but switching gears real quick, just to kind of you bring up the Iowa point, and I think I agree with you. That's going to be the best test they see uh, so far this year on defense. Um, Michigan State game plan-wise, I mean – you can't ask for much more with where Ohio State started their drives. I mean, they yeah. had six drives of 75-plus yards, and they had three drives of 90 yards. So it's yeah. like, what more – I mean, you can't start any better than that. You're backing yeah. them up. Ohio State just finds a way to move the ball at ease. I've never seen a team get chunk plays as easy as this. And the offense the last couple of years has been phenomenal. Ryan Day continues to evolve. And, and going into this year, you're thinking, man, it can't get much better than this. And then it does. It's, it's, it's just insane how good this offense is. And let's not forget it's without their best player. Well, and, and that's where I keep going back to this is like you, you talk about the depth. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba is in so many ways the focal point of the offense. I mean, Ryan Day has told us point blank. I drew up plays for him in the offseason. I want to get the guy the ball. He's he's played in two games. He's had four catches for 36 yards. And without him, and without Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson from last year, who were back-to-back first-round picks, the Buckeyes have the number one offense in the country. Now, a lot of that is because they've got an elite quarterback. But <laughs> watch Marvin Harrison play football, and you think to yourself, how did this guy not get on the field last year? Mm-hmm. Like, he's that good. Well, the answer is because he had NFL talent in front of him on the depth chart. He just had to wait. You know, Emeka Igbuka is proving to be an unbelievable college-wide receiver. His his high school tapes were off the charts. He's an incredibly good kid, and now he's getting his shot, and Igbuka's having a really good season. Um, the emergence of Cade Stover has given this offense an entirely different dimension, We didn't really see Kate a whole lot on on the stat sheet, but I thought he played great this weekend. He's just a really good, solid football player. Um, I I think this past weekend continued to solidify for some people who maybe didn't pay attention to the first couple games of the year. You know, maybe the Notre Dame game was a bit eye-opening, but after Notre Dame struggles and then the Buckeyes playing back-to-back games against inferior opponents – Maybe it's taken people a couple of weeks to try to see what this is going to look like. 
But gosh, without Mayan Williams on the field, without Travion for half the game, I mean, it, they, it just didn't matter who was on the field. The, the level of talent and the, um, frankly, the level of execution were just flat out unbelievable. And credit to Travion too, because he doesn't look all the way healthy right now. So credit yeah, to him for giving it, giving it a go Saturday and playing. Um, they really needed him, and he stepped up huge. To average, I think it was six point two or five point two a carry. Um, just phenomenal performance by him to to run for over a hundred yards and and play the way he did when he's not. He just didn't have that burst. You can see there's something still going on with his foot that he just doesn't have that burst. There was that one run he could have, if he's fully healthy, he probably takes it to the house. But hopefully he, during the bye week he can get all the way back and and get mine back, and then you have your one-two punch again, fully healthy. But uh, like you said, you go through the weapons. I absolutely love how Ryan Day is using Emeka Abuka this year. Um, just the various ways they're getting him the ball. And he's turned into one of those guys. As soon as he touches it, you hold your breath because you think he could score and from anywhere on the field. So that's been been fantastic to see. I, I also want to tip my cap to Kevin Wilson, who Ryan Day pointed out early in the press conference was a huge part of this week's game plan. Uh, with the creativity and some of the play calls. It just felt like every time Ohio State wanted Michigan State's eyes to go a certain direction, they were able to pull that off. And again, give CJ a lot of credit for that. Give the offensive line the credit that they deserve for keeping him clean in the pocket so those things can develop. But the ability to to run counters or to run play actions uh, or, or plays that look like they're going one direction and then suddenly go a different one, you know, it, it – Man, at times it almost looked too easy. It, it did. I, I don't want to take for granted just how good this team is, but they look like they are playing a different sport sometimes than they their do. opponent is. And you mentioned the line there. The line's been fantastic um, all year long, especially this past game. Um, I mean, Michigan State was not getting any push at all. And it just shows by Stroud's stat line. Obviously, it, it starts with the line, but. Stroud, I, I saw uh, somewhere online, he was the first quarterback in Power 5 in 10 years to go perfect on passes that traveled 10 or more yards. So he was wow. 11 for 11. And on those passes um, that traveled 10 or more yards, that was 297 yards and five touchdowns on those passes. So the line's giving him all the time he needs. I mean, Par um, Paris Johnson looks like he's turning himself into a top five pick at this point like he is just mauling guys on the line every week you see a clip go viral of him pushing a guy 12 yards and then top one on top of him um so he's playing phenomenal luke whippler's been great at center uh you just can't say enough good things about this offense right now um yeah it's they're fun um you ready showtime on May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. 
Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Let's talk defense, and then we'll go back up quarterback here to kind of wrap things up. I am less concerned about the defense than some of the things I'm reading or some of the fans are are, um, letting on. I get it. And yes, it is a little frustrating when they give up a big play here and there. The defensive line and linebackers in particular, and frankly, even Ronnie Hickman, are playing so much faster and so much more aggressive this year that I think they're they're figuring out a way to negate the problems that manifested themselves last year. Yes, it is annoying that for whatever reason, whomever is in coverage, whether it's Cam Brown or Denzel Burke or anybody else right now, I don't know why guys aren't turning and looking for the ball. It's obvious that that is part of the problem because, and I think even Ryan Day alluded to this, guys are in the right spots. It's not like you necessarily are always seeing your corners burned by 10 yards. Like that, That's happened a couple of times. And that is obviously irritating, but a lot of these plays are contested catches where your, your, your guy in coverage is in a pretty good spot. He's either not turning to look for the ball or not jarring it free in time. I just would like to think that that's going to sort itself out. And if the Buckeyes can continue to generate pressure it's going to make it more and more difficult for quarterbacks to make comfortable throws, right? I, I talked about this with Hondo Carpenter last week when we did our, our behind enemy lines, Hondo covers Michigan state. And I thought he made a great point. He basically said, look, Michigan state's offensive line. Are they going to give Peyton Thorne enough time with no pressure on five step drops? Probably not. And frankly, that's probably going to be the case with most of the offensive lines the Buckeyes are going to play the rest of the year up until Michigan. I think their offensive line is very good. Okay, so if he can't do a five-step drop, and and that means he's got to do a three-step drop, can your receivers get separation in enough time over and over and over again when your quarterback has to take three steps and get the ball out? Probably not. So – I I just think about the amount of chaos and pressure that Ohio State is causing because of the way Chambers and Eichenberg in particular, it feels like they've been totally unlocked. They're playing with, with almost reckless abandon, the aggression, just flying to the ball. I, I'm not saying that they are an unbeatable defense, but the problems that I saw last year in the defense don't seem to be in full force the way they are this year because the plays aren't having a chance to develop like any quarterback that's playing power five college football is supposed to be a pretty good quarterback. And if they're given enough time, they should be able to make a play and read a defense to me where Ohio state is substantially better this year is they are, they are shortening that clock and not giving opposing quarterbacks enough time for those plays to develop because in a game that's predicated on offense, if given enough time, guys should be able to get open. They should. And it's a lot of great points there. Um, 
I think first thing I noticed from last year is the ability, obviously, to get off the field. But two, moving Zach Harrison inside the last couple of weeks has totally changed um, this defense even more. Um, I mean, you saw Michael Hall. Obviously, he had, he was on a snap count this weekend, yep. two and a half sacks and I think seven plays. Yeah, so not too bad. Not not too shabby day <laughs> at the office for him. But moving Zach Harrison inside and then JTT and even uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste, I mean, those guys look pretty darn good Saturday, and they were getting held almost on every play. Like JTT would get around his guy, and Michigan State guy would spin him down and throw him down to the ground as he was running past him. So could have caught a lot of holdings there, but – um, it starts with the linebacker play. Tommy Eichenberg and, and Steel Chambers are just playing at a whole another level that we never saw uh, last year. Um, my only concern, and, and hopefully it, it it doesn't happen, but injuries are, uh, occur frequently with this team this year, is just that depth at, at linebacker. Um, it seems, to, and I don't know if it's even linebacker really. It's when it seems to me like when Hickman and Eichenberg or steel chambers, that combo goes off the field, something changes a little bit. I mean, Michigan State had that really good drive um, when most of those starters were out. Um, but depth at linebacker is probably my biggest concern as well as, as secondary with the injuries that they have. Um, the linebackers are all healthy right now, but if if Tommy Eichenberg were to go down, it'd be... A, a, a yeah, that would be a problem. You know, and look, Cody Simon's a good linebacker, and I think he's played fine this year. Um, and Chip Trainum, I think, is as good an athlete as anybody on the entire team. But I agree, if Tommy went down, that would that'd be a problem because he's playing at such a high level. But again, let's remind people that when when basically the first group was on the field, your first team defense for three quarters, they gave up 105 yards and they gave up negative eight rushing yards. And I think the sack adjusted number was something like 20 or 21 total yeah. rushing yards. Yeah, I think they ended up with seven not, yards. What are we complaining about here? Come on. Like, yes, Michigan State had 202 yards of total offense, and they did have a scoring drive at the end of the game that made a 49-13 game look a little bit more digestible at 49-20 to when they scored on, a, on an eight-play, 80-yard drive. I, I don't want to say I don't care, but, like, that's – to me, that doesn't tell the story of how dominant the game was. So I just – I'm not ready to get too upset about some of the frustrations in coverage. Denzel Burke needs to play a little better. And and Cam Brown, I think he would be playing better if he was healthy. I, I don't know exactly what's going on there. They're not playing terrible, but they've had some mistakes. Um but you don't need to be the best defense in the country when you have this offense. And the goal here is to win every game and to win the national championship. And right now, Ohio State is is absolutely on track to be able to accomplish that. Six games in, things look really, really good. They do. They do. You want to get in a little bit of the backup quarterback? I was, I was yeah, hoping let's... we talk about that today because it was, to me, if you want to – I can go first. To me, it's yeah. it's a little bit interesting how we're using Kyle McCord, and I don't want to talk about next season right now when we're in the midst of a fun season here. But uh, going into next year, that's my biggest concern is who's going to be the quarterback because right now it's like, hey, you're getting Kyle in here. The first drive, maybe let's act like we're still running offense because the starting offensive line was still in when he went right. in on Saturday. Obviously, the receivers and, and Dallin Hayden was in there with him, but um, – the starting line was was the guys. So let's 
let's maybe treat that first drive like we're actually running some offense and not just handing the ball off because like we saw in 2014 they can change in the drop of uh, blink of an eye and yep. he's going to be the guy so let me and maybe in practice is when he's really getting those reps because maybe coach day thinks hey our our defense that he's going against in practice is going to give him any better looks than anything michigan state or any of these teams frankly right now in the big 10 the way the big 10's been looking are, are going to give kyle mccord so i don't know maybe that's a question this week for for Coach Day, like, hey, can you open it up for Kyle? Let's see what he can do. Well, I mean, and he's he kind of addressed it because, yeah, it is frustrating for sure. And, like, I, I think Kyle's in a little bit of a challenging spot because he's playing behind the kid who probably is going to win the Heisman. He's the betting favorite, and if he stays healthy, there's no reason to think that C.J. Stroud is not going to win the Heisman Trophy this year. He's the best offensive player on the best offensive team in the country. Um it's not a guarantee, but an awful lot of the time, that's who ends up taking the Heisman Trophy. So, you know, he certainly got somebody good to, to learn from. Kyle is such a team player, and I love watching him interact with guys on the sideline because I think he really understands the value of the relationships he needs to have because the team knows if for any reason he has to go in and play in the first three quarters of a game, if things get rocky, they can't skip a beat. I mean, Ryan Day talks about it all the time. We're not allowed to lose around here. And so the expectation is whether it's Dallin Hayden or Kyle McCord or J.K. Johnson or anybody else that has to step in for somebody, you got to play at a high level. And and I think Ryan acknowledged, look, yeah, it's, it's probably a little frustrating right now for Kyle to come in and mostly hand the ball off. Now, he, he completed a couple passes this week. Um, but yeah, in the fourth quarter of games, when he's gotten most of his shots so far, they've called the dogs off a little bit, but I think Kyle, frankly, I think Kyle has a stronger arm than CJ does. Um, and, and I'd like to think that if he were in a position where they were leaning heavily on him, I think Kyle McCord's a really, really good quarterback. And, you know, I'm interested to see what happens next year. I think he's going to have a leg up on Devin Brown. But let's see what happens. Um, I, I I would not lose faith in this offense if CJ couldn't play. Like, again, knock on wood, God forbid. You don't want anybody to get hurt. You certainly don't want your starting quarterback to get hurt. And, and I think if CJ Stroud gets hurt, the entire college football, you know, uh, fan base across the country would take a collective deep breath and a gasp. You don't want to see that. Kyle's about as good a backup quarterback as you're going to find anywhere in college football. He's got elite coaching. He's got great work habits. Again, I love the way he interacts with his teammates because you can see it on the sideline during games. I know we don't get a chance to watch practices, but the the stuff during games, that can't be faked, right? He's, he's a good kid. Um, I I'm not necessarily concerned by his lack of throwing the football in games. I mean, let's like, remember where we were a year ago where it was, Hey, CJ Stroud, Kyle McCord and, and, and Jack Miller, none of them have thrown a pass in college football. Like how are the Buckeyes going to figure this out? Well, I think it's worked out pretty fine. Um, <laughs> it's worked out I'm, pretty I'm good. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I get it. I understand that. And I'm sure it might be a little frustrating because Kyle wants to show what he's got and Ryan day probably would love to see what he's got, but the job is to win games and you're playing on a team that is expected to win. So when you are in the game, you do what you need to do to win games. And and that doesn't always dictate 
taking unnecessary shots deep down the field. So um, I hope we get a chance to see Kyle air it out a little bit at times. I think that would mean that the Buckeyes would have to be in positions where, you know, they could take those shots because the score is so lopsided so early. Um, but I'm, I'm just not that concerned. I mean, even remember when Justin Fields was in his final year, two years ago, we weren't, you know, you're, you're always thinking about development and you knew what was behind Justin. He played every meaningful snap, every single one of them when he wasn't hurt. I think you just have to tackle the problems that are in front of you. And right now you don't have an issue on offense, go execute at a high level. And then when it's time for the next guy to go in, just run the plays that are called. I, that's kind of where I'm at with all of that. Yeah, my only my only thing that kind of sticks in the back of my head with the way they're using Kyle McCord, if they're seeing it in practice and he is going to be that guy, just let him run it. Just give him one drive where he's running the true offense. And if you don't want to do that and he's just handing it off, let's not risk injury with him if he is that guy. And just let Devin Brown hand it off, you know, and, and just be extra cautious, which that seems to be a common phrase that, coach day uses after every game an abundance of caution um maybe they they'd start treating if they're not gonna let kyle truly run it and he is that gonna be the, the next man up let's just let that brown hand it off we got a comment here from uh goj kyle is not that dude maybe i'm off but the opportunities he does get um not sold i i, I just i respect your opinion i disagree i think kyle mccord probably has an NFL future. I'm not saying he's going to be a first-round pick. I don't know what his ceiling is yet. Kyle is a professional quarterback in the making, in my mind, without a sliver of a doubt. He he looks the part. He acts the part. He's got the arm strength. He's being coached by the best quarterbacks coach in the country right now. I, I 100% in my heart believe that this kid, if he gets the opportunity to go showcase his stuff, is, is going to prove that he could play beyond this level, and he's absolutely good enough to play at this level. He just happens to be behind a guy right now that's going to probably win the Heisman Trophy and certainly be a finalist for it if he doesn't. And and if you remember the spring game from a couple years ago, his first pass in Ohio Stadium was a 75-yard post route right on the money down the middle of the field that made everybody go, wait a second, this kid's got a, an absolute rocket arm. Yeah. Um, again. These are good problems to have. Like, let's not get too frustrated about where the quarterback battle could go for next year. But I I want to be clear on the fact that I'm not too concerned about Kyle not having chances to throw the football in games. I'd love to see it, but I, I think it's part of what's going on. And you just got to have the mental toughness to say, hey, no problem. I'll get my work in during the week. I'll, I'll run the plays that are called. We're going to take care of winning football games because this is a team sport. Yep. yep. You hit it right on the head. <clears throat> All right. Um, any final thoughts on, on this past week's game? Just another dominant performance. I mean, that when the competitive excellence and competitive stamina that Ryan Day talks about all year, I mean, you're seeing it on full display. They're, they're not letting off the gas when they have their starters in there. They're dominating the opponent uh, each week. I mean, 45-plus points five weeks in a row now. I mean, there's, it's hard to ask for much more. Um, it's going into the bye week, obviously, the, you want to get all these guys healthy that are, uh, as that injury report's gotten longer and longer the last couple of weeks. So that's probably your main focus. Um, 
this week is getting those guys back healthy, especially Travion and, and mine and, and Jackson Smith and Jigba and seeing what this offense looks like. Hopefully we see it against Iowa. I was going to ask you before we wrap up real quick, do you think we see the full arsenal for the first time for a full game against Iowa? I really hope so. Um, I don't know how fast some of these guys are going to heal through things. You know, it's cer- it, it certainly sounded like Mayan Williams injury was not a long-term deal. Uh, and I mean, Travion was able to play last week, right? You know, I know he took what looked to me like just kind of a, a helmet to the quad stinger kind of thing. And he was standing on the sideline. He, he looked okay. Mm-hmm. I think he just took a really hard hit. And at that point, like the game's out of hand, don't, you don't need to run him back out there to keep absorbing some tough blows because he's, he's been a little bit banged up throughout his career. So protect him when you can, um, I hope we see the full arsenal. I'd like to think that Ohio State is doing the right things during the week to get these guys rehabbed the right way. So I'm hopeful that Jackson Smith and Jigbo with another, you know, today's Monday, another 12 days before they play, that we would see him back on the field. I think that's what they are hoping for. How do you ever really know when someone's hamstring is is back to 100%? Um, I know how anxious this this coaching staff is to get Jordan Hancock on the field. Um, it sounded like, unfortunately, there was never really a chance for him to get on the field last week. So they're looking at, okay, can we give him two more weeks to get healthy and, and then get him out there? I sure hope that with the way the season has gone so far and and going into your off week that you can get healthy enough to have a great shot to be 100%. Um, but nobody thought last week that Mayan Williams was going to get banged up in practice. So I guess you just never really know for sure, yeah. but they'll, they'll do the right things to, to try to make it happen, um, uh, during this, uh, this next week and a half here. Okay. Tomorrow we will hear from, uh, several of the coaches. It's, it's a little bit more brief of a, um, media availability for us this week. There are no players available to us at all the whole week. They're off. Um, that doesn't mean that they're not practicing this week. That just means they're not open to the media this week. Um, today, Ryan Day will uh, will call into Buckeye Roundtable on 97.1 The Fan in Columbus. If you're not in Columbus, you can uh, pull that up on, on 97. I think it's 971thefan.com is their website, uh, and you can listen to it live. Uh, he'll call in somewhere in like the 635 to 645 window. He'll, he'll chat with the guys for 10 minutes or so. <laughs> Tomorrow when we are at the facility, we're going to get each of four coaches for 15-minute intervals from noon until one Ryan Day will be at noon and then some combination, uh, or I should say in some order, uh, coach Knowles, coach Larry Johnson and coach Justin Fry. So we get both offensive and defensive line coaches along with a defensive coordinator and the head coach. So we'll talk to them tomorrow between 12 and one. Uh, and then Andrew Lind, who will be with me tomorrow at the facility, will give you a Buckeye report to let you know what we learned and uh, tell you what, what uh, our takeaways are from those press conferences as the Buckeyes get ready uh, to, to hopefully dial it back a little bit here in, in the middle of October. It's been a fun first half of the season. We'll do a couple more podcasts throughout the course of the week that are maybe a little more big picture uh, and less focused on the Michigan State game in particular. But Ohio State certainly has been playing well. Five straight wins at home. They, they perform well in their first road test of the year, 49-20, to 20, on top of the Michigan State Spartans. For Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for supporting the show. Appreciate it. We got a lot of uh, a lot of great comments and a good audience here this afternoon. Um, you can watch this or listen to this if you'd like on our YouTube channel or wherever you like to find your favorite podcast. We'll have that posted here within the hour. 
Again, for uh, for Craig, I'm Brendan Gulick, and we'll see you again real soon as the Buckeyes look to dial it back a little bit during their bye week.